I saw your be good baker running by again the other day, says I to old Mr. Brennan. Ah, yes, says he. I've never seen her stand still. And she's running rings around the rest of us with our Brennan's be good bread. Only 60 calories a slice. 60 calories, says I. That's just a whole meal, is it? No, says he. It's the whole meal, the whole grain, and the waste. 60 calories a slice and high in fiber, whatever way it slices. That's why anything baked is better with Brennan's. Today's bread today. Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Irok the end of Chacht Erechor. Agasuligum a Machan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfame. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Pashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Tolam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Yatakshet Horan Grevan, Orkar son, Elis Duhalagus Kiminefracht, Gor Klixar Dukashen Echor. Only Ven own. Shachten. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Today on the Indo Daily, Elon Musk, billionaire, tech genius, and now political superpower. Should we be worried? The controversial CEO has been on a global tour, meeting key world leaders from political hotspots. Two of the world's most polarizing figures met in San Francisco today, Elon Musk and Benjamin Netanyahu. President Emmanuel Macron has ended his three-day visit to the U.S. with a trip to Louisiana. He also had a meeting with new Twitter owner and Tesla boss, Elon Musk. Elon Musk met with Italian Prime Minister Giorgio Maloney as part of his Europe tour. With an explosive new biography hitting the shelves, what do we know about the elusive billionaire and his political aspirations? Offer me money. Offer me power. I don't care. And more importantly, is it dangerous for one man to hold so much global power? If he were to run for election, for example, I've no doubt he would put in a good showing. But like Trump, he could, even if he lost, he could do a huge amount of long-term damage. I'm Fiannan Sheehan, and today on the Indo-Daily, I'm joined by Adrian Weckler, technology editor at the Irish Independent, to ask if Elon Musk is a superpower all unto himself. Adrian, Elon Musk has been on something of a world leader's tour, either travelling to or meeting with uh, various world leaders, so Israel, Turkey, Italy, France, India, South Korea. What's all this about and why is he being granted an audience? Is this his his uh, his business power we're seeing being flexed here or his diplomatic power? I think it is probably wrapped up more in his ego and his sense of narcissism. So who is Elon Musk? What is Elon Musk? Why does he think that he would like to spend you know, an audience with Benjamin Netanyahu or Emmanuel Macron or Modi or any of these figures. And it's because he believes at heart, I think, looking at the biography that Walter Isaacson has just released on him and other things that he himself has said, he believes he has a worldview. He has a uh, idea of how civilization should move forward. And as part of that, he believes that engaging with world leaders is a good thing, not only for him, but also for the leaders and also for the world and for uh, society. Now, sometimes what we're mostly interested in is not his giant ego there. 
it's more the nuggets that come out of it. So, for example, with uh, Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu, the other day we learned that he is planning to charge people for using Twitter, that the company has a plan, or X as it's now called. And that was kind of interesting. Elon Musk says that X, formerly known as Twitter, is moving to subscription fees. In a live-streamed interview with the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, Musk said that the social network is moving to having a small monthly payment for use of the X system in order to try and combat vast armies of bots. He, he's always very softly, softly when he talks to these uh, world leaders. Whenever he meets, for example, with Thierry Breton, who's the uh, European commissioner um, with responsibility for competition and, and, and other things, he is always very deferential. He wears a suit and tie. He nods very deferentially. And as soon as he gets out of the meeting, he starts tweeting that the Europeans are batshit, you know. You've got leaders like Macron in France, Maloney in Italy, hoping to get a piece of that market, either get a car factory yep. in their country or a battery making yep. factory from the Tesla, from the Musk brand located there. Even if they don't themselves get any of Tesla's or SpaceX's business, maybe they're hoping for uh, an interesting exchange with Musk on what they should do. So to be fair to Musk, as much of a hames as he's made of Twitter and as reckless as he's currently being and maybe potentially dangerous in terms of his public utterances on political issues, what the guy has achieved in industrially is absolutely amazing. I mean, Tesla was a bit of a miracle in itself to disrupt the car industry like that. SpaceX is even more amazing. The fact that we can only put crew into space, that NASA has to go through Elon Musk and no one else. There are things to learn from him in how he does business. He kind of goes through a lot of barriers. He doesn't take no for an answer. And while we've seen the rough uh, edges of that, I would imagine if I'm Emmanuel Macron, if I'm trying to reposition France as being Europe's tech leader, I want to be talking to this guy. What is it that you think we should do? You know, maybe we won't agree with your industrial relations views, Elon, but are the things we could be doing in, in terms of um, plant manufacturing, in terms of import-export, what do you think? Yeah, presumably if he turns up in Dublin someday, oh. Leo Varadkar will be rolling out well, the carpet for him. I was there when he turned up in Dublin uh, years ago at one of the, when the Web Summit was still in, in Dublin and Enda Kenny was on stage with him and my God, the snow job that Enda uh, did to the, the, you know, the, the charm that he tried to uh, to pour onto Elon, like in front of everybody, because that was the only time he actually had to meet with Elon and he spent it pitching. There's plenty of great workers here, Elon, if you ever want to relocate here and all of that sort of stuff. So, yeah. We're also seeing his views, though, on, on global affairs mm. come in. And that's where people start getting troubled because they're basically saying, okay, you're you're an industrialist, you're an entrepreneur, you're an inventor, but you're not a diplomat and no. you don't know a whole lot about about how, how these these things work. So this uh, as as part of this biography that, that has come out about him, there's this issue about Ukraine and Starlink. So mm. start off explain what's Starlink? Starlink is a bunch of satellites that was an offshoot of SpaceX, which is an Elon Musk company, which is the space uh, travel, uh, space cargo company. They launched a whole load of satellites um, around the world. And the idea was to have satellite broadband and really targeting large parts of the world that don't have uh, broadband. What happened 
or what allegedly happened in in U- in the Ukraine war and an attack by the Ukrainians on the Russian fleet at Sevastopol. He has been fiercely criticized by Ukrainian war officials because last September he denied the Ukrainian military access to his satellites that denied them the opportunity to launch an attack on Russian warships in Crimea. So the nub of the issue here is that the Ukrainians accused Musk of effectively taking the side of the Russians by not allowing them to use the Starlink satellites, which in the normal course of things, because they were in position, would be able to be used um, for by anyone for anything. So Ukraine is saying that uh, Musk took a position in favor of the Russians. Now, Musk says, no, that's not a correct interpretation. If I had allowed you to use these uh, satellites to target Russian ships, I would then have been taking an active position in the war on your part against the Russians. And that's not something uh, I was prepared to do. Starlink was never meant for military use. So it's a question of interpretation and semantics, I suppose. The problem for Musk is that at least some of what he has said and some of his commentary on the Russian invasion of Ukraine has appeared to be sympathetic, if not completely uh, overt, in the conclusion that he believes that Ukraine will have to cede territory to Russia. He he proposed his own private peace deal, uh, basically 12 months ago, which was basically a a truce and effectively drawing the lines at where whatever territory had been taken at that stage, oh, let the Russians have that. Yes. And you you stick to what you've got in Ukraine. Now, the Ukrainians very impolitely and and directly told him, F off, as is the right of a a country uh, whose sovereign territory has been been invaded as is recognised by, by everybody else mm. uh, practically in, in the world. So we, we are seeing that he sees himself uh, as a player that he's almost, you know, uh, his own private United Nations. Yes, very much so. Now, what we do know about Musk is he definitely does have ambitions to go to Mars. Okay, now that's the scale on which he's thinking. He really believes in his lifetime that he or SpaceX will make it to Mars and that he believes that that could and should be a first step for interplanetary civilization, interplanetary colonization. Now, work your way back a half a step from that. He's seeing major issues and conflicts go on around uh, the world. It's not a stretch to imagine that he believes that he has a role as one of the planet's preeminent futurists or future thinkers in, in sorting stuff out. Now, I deal with a lot of his stands, his supporters uh, online, because I work in the tech field, and he has a lot of supporters and people who will all point out his his many achievements. And what they will argue about Musk when they're trying to defend him is they say, well, look, to be fair, he has achieved quite a lot, for example, in environmental terms. The very fact that Tesla is such a successful company, uh, which has uh, kick-started the whole electric car industry, the very fact that he has done a lot for solar power as well. He is another company called Solar City. He is entitled, compared to most other industrialists, to weigh in on some of these issues if he has a view. Um, you might, and then they would also point out that there are other industrialists on the other side, people like George Soros or um, uh, many other industrialists, Bill Gates, who weigh in on issues that they think is important. The problem with Musk is 
it never seems to be considered or it never seems or to be consistent. drawn out. Yeah. No, it's yeah. just a kind of a tweet. Of he he yeah. has joked that he tweets from the toilet that, you know, um, and so he might be up uh, half the night. Um, he has also admitted that he needs stimulants um, to see out his working day a lot of the time. So you would wonder in what frame of mind what is, is he tweeting. Is going on there. When he... Uh, met Chinese leaders recently. He he passed some again ill-advised comments you'd have to say about Taiwan. Policy has been to reunite Taiwan with China. Uh, from this standpoint, you know maybe it's analogous to like Hawaii, an integral part of China that is arbitrarily not part of China, mostly because of the, the U.S. Because China is such a big market and it's such a big global player, you have this thing where ambitious industrialists from the West become obsessed at one point or another in their careers with trying to appeal uh, to the Chinese. And they know that the Chinese play the long game. And and so Musk is now being potentially reckless, potentially dangerous uh, in his comments uh, about uh, Taiwan. What Musk has seen in China is that the iPhone is now the most popular phone in China. That's a Western company that has managed in a in a country where they have a lot of their own smartphones. Apple has managed to succeed beyond its wildest dreams in China. I guess he must be looking at that market and thinking, I could do that with Tesla. And in, in terms of his world standing, as you say, a lot of these gazillionaires mm. see themselves as, as great contributors to, to humanity uh, and engage in philanthropic ventures. Does he or does he basically make the point, the industries I'm involved in are contributing to the world? That's his primary stance. Steve Jobs had a similar position. Steve Jobs was notoriously bad for not donating to charity. Now his um, his wife has since made that up uh, an awful lot, but uh, Musk is not known for a philanthropy or for charity other than in areas where he can get a tax advantage out of it. He does have a case in saying that uh, Tesla uh, by it itself has made a significant uh, contribution. But... This is just a guy who is juggling so many balls at the same time. I mean, think of the number of companies he has. So we've talked about Tesla. We've talked about SpaceX. I mentioned SolarCity. You mentioned Starlink. Neuralink, which is this brain interface company, which he has, which he started a few years ago. Um, it's been productive for him in many senses. He had twins with one of the executives. Musk has 10 children by the way. I know we're not getting into any of that, but that's quite an interesting thing in itself. Um, uh, Neuralink, which is now uh, accepting human trialists. So Neuralink is a company which seeks to essentially plant a chip in your brain or put wires in your brain. And if that sounds weird and dystopian, it could be the way it positions itself and the way Musk positions it is that could help people with, for example, uh, severe disabilities who've been paralyzed, for example. It's an interesting idea. Again, uh, I'm not sure if, um, uh, I'm not sure who exactly is going to sign up to be a trialist for that. But but So he has all of these balls and going at the same he, time. Is he getting credit for what, he's, mm. what he is doing and what he is 
contributing to society, or do you think he just gets he's just getting criticism? Depending on how you measure it, I saw one survey poll in the US recently which said if he announced himself as a candidate for the US presidential election, he would absolutely be starting at a baseline of about 20-25%, which is astonishing. Um, he, If he was hit by a bus tomorrow, if he passed away and we were talking about Elon Musk alive, I do believe that what he has achieved industrially would surpass as, a, as his epitaph the absolute Hames he has made of Twitter and the reckless, dangerous comments he has made that has stoked up a lot of division, which is definitely goes down in the red on his ledger. But I do believe that we would talk more about his achievements because they probably still surpass the damage he's done. Is Elon Musk a superpower in his own right? He's involved in major industries that do actually, you know, mm. they, they have a role as well in, in, in warfare in terms of the technology that he has developed. So the companies he's involved in are probably bigger than the GDP of many countries. But yeah. is he himself at that level where you should really be looking at him and saying, why isn't he at a G7 summit? So you're getting closer to the Iron Man analogy now, mm. which people used to nickname him Iron Man because of his own ambitions and what he's achieved. Phony um, Stark. As Phony he's, Stark, as absolutely, yes. yeah. Space Karen. No, I don't think he's quite at that level. Um, I, I'd say nothing would please him more than to be invited to one of those conferences. And in a way, because he has demonstrated an ability to achieve an awful lot, I suppose you could give it about 10 seconds thought that maybe he should be brought in uh, to the fold and maybe he's it's safer to keep somebody like that in closer to the decision-making process rather than have him outside lobbing bombs in with tweets. Just in the last week alone. He's talked about George Soros being an enemy of Western civilization. That was referring to the Italian, uh, a remote Italian island, which at the moment is a frontier uh, in immigration between North Africa and, and Europe. And Soros has a number of philanthropic organizations that seek to make life easier and more bearable for uh, migrants who are fleeing, you know, difficult situations. Obviously, that becomes a culture war issue. That becomes a flashpoint between right and left. And Musk seems to have weighed in now much more leaning on the right-sided issue than the left-sided issue. And it just feels that it's quite dangerous having him out there lobbing those bombs in. It's not just him. He's a major player in social media. He is... Very influential as well in the development of AI and will continue to be. So, I mean, does he have too much power, really? If you go back to first principles on it, he has Twitter and he has X. Now, for all of the troubles that Twitter has, it is still probably the most single most influential social media platform in terms of being a town square where politics, current issues, sports, all of those things um, get played out, certainly in the West. He sits atop of that and he wields far more influence and power on that directly on the the, the flaming issues that are involved than any than Jack Dorsey ever did or any of the, his predecessors ever did. So he has huge power there. He probably has less power to influence um, other industries that he's in because even though he dominates commercial space traffic, 
that's not an industry that affects most people's lives. Neither I mean, the electric car industry hasn't yet reached a point where it does either. We don't see any kind of walking androids around. So with Neuralink, so I don't know if he wields too much power yet, but he certainly has the power to create in quite a lot of people um, a, a, a feeling of disaffection, of dissatisfaction about the way the world is, about how politics is going, how culture is going. And that has a lot of potentially um, dangerous offshoots. A philosophical question uh, you posed, maybe it was a rhetorical one, is Elon Musk bad for the world? What's the answer? I think up to about two years ago, I was said absolutely not for all of his, the reports of him being a terrible boss and making people sleep under the table when they're trying to get <clears throat> Tesla <clears throat> Model 3 out on time, what he has achieved and being the ultimate doer overall is a contribution to the world's um, progress. And, uh, and it's never any harm to have somebody who expresses the kind of ambition that he does and I'm talking about things like Mars, space travel. I'm talking about things like clean energy, all of that sort of stuff. He's getting a lot closer, though, to the line where you could say, no, no, overall, despite everything he's done, he is starting to become a threat to parts of our democracy and our civilization and bad for the world. And that is because of the things that we have have spoken about. I mean... If he were to run for election, for example, I've no doubt he would put in a good showing. But like Trump, he could, even if he lost, he could do a huge amount of long-term damage. And my thanks to Adrian Weckler. I'm Fiannan Sheehan, and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced by Tabitha Monaghan and Garrett Mulhall, researched by Silvia Omarodion and Dave Hanratty, with sound by Gavin Hennessy. Archive clips from Sky News, CNBC, The Wall Street Journal, The Sunday Times, CNN, Insider News, The Telegraph and Bloomberg. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review. I saw your Be Good Baker running by again the other day, says I to L, Mr Brennan. Ah, yes, says he. I've never seen her stand still. And she's running rings around the rest of us with our Brennan's Be Good Bread. Only 60 calories a slice. 60 calories, says I. That's just a whole meal, is it? No, says he. It's the whole meal, the whole grain and the waste. 60 calories a slice and high in fibre, whatever way it slices. That's why anything baked is better with Brennan's. Today's bread today.